prepare for communion, I'd like to encourage your heart by pointing your attention to something that many people miss when it comes in this walk of faith. It was something that even the disciples were missing in, that, in those final moments with Jesus. You know, in those final moments with Jesus, the scriptures are revealed that Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet. And it tells us clearly in John 13 that his intention was to reveal to them the full measure of his love. And as he was ministering to them that night and he was reminding them of his words and as he was breaking the bread and drinking and, 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 and uh, dispersing the cup for them to partake of, he was reminding them of something so powerful. It was these simple words. It's just me and you. It's just me and you. You know, at the heart of it, Jesus was pointing their attention. He was trying to refocus their hearts. He was trying to draw their attention to this critical piece of truth that they were missing. They were so focused on their doubts. They were fo so focused on their worries. They were so focused on their questions. They were wondering where he was going. And he's just saying, guys, look, I'm ministering to you in this moment, but I'm also, I'm also preparing you for what's to come. And he's saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In those, same, in, the, in those same moments, he shared with them what John 15 records where he says, look, it's you and me and me and you as the Father and I are one. We're one. And he's, he's reminding them that it's like the vine and the branches that are in oneness. And so tonight I want to talk to you on the topic of it's just me and you. It's just me and you. Have you ever been excited about Going on a trip or a much-needed vacation. Anybody looking forward to a vacation, right? Looking forward to some time off, right? A few of you are like, yeah, I'm ready to go, like, right now. Just stick with me for a moment. Stick with me for a moment. Now, if you're like most people, you do really well when it comes to getting everything out of the way in order to go on your vacation, to take some time off, right? You clear the calendar. You, you, you make arrangements. You, you, you book uh, flights. You do whatever you got to do. You get it all done just so that you can get going on your trip. And just when you get to the point where you're about to go on your trip, you do something really weird. We all do it. You know what we do? We pack. We pack. Think about this. Here we are trying to get away from everything and everyone and just unwind. And we pack. And we don't just pack a bag. We pack bags. Right? It's the oddest thing, and we don't just pack, but we overpack. I'm, I'm observing some of the wives in the crowd turning to their husbands, and the husband's looking at them, and they're, they're, they're kind of like explaining, right? I, we all do it. We've all done it. But think about it. After all, there's no such thing as packing too many shoes, right, ladies? Right? There's no such thing as that. See, you see, my wife is the first one to say that, right? She takes a bag just for shoes. No kidding. Just for shoes. That, there's something, there's another bag for sandals. I'm serious. All right? But there's no such thing as packing too many shoes, right? And just, and, and you, you know, you never want to go alone, so you got to bring someone with you, right? So the more the merrier, right? And you just never know if a winter storm is going to hit in the middle of August in the Caribbean, so you might as well pack a sweater and some boots just to make sure, right? Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but as ridiculous as it, sounds, as it sounds, isn't it the truth 
that for some crazy reason, we have a tendency to accumulate stuff, right? To carry stuff. And on this journey of faith with God, we do the same thing. Jesus is saying, it's just me and you. And life can be like that for us if we're not careful. You remember when you were younger? You ever, you ever look back on your younger years? Some of you, I know you're still young, that's fine, but your younger, younger years. You ever look back and go, man, life was so much simpler when I was a kid. You ever been there? I'll tell you something that you and I know about life back then. It was a lot simpler. It was a lot lighter. Why? Because we didn't have all the weights, all the worries, all the stresses, all the stuff that we pick up along the way in life. And although we can't avoid the trials that we face in life, although we can't can't avoid the things that, that come our way, the truth is that we don't have to pick them up. We don't have to pack them along for the journey. You know, for some of us, we're hoarders when it comes to our experiences in life. We just hoard. I can't let go of this. I can't let go of that. And this memory is important to me. And that experience is great. And, you, and, and we do that even, you know, it's great to have experiences with God. But we, we want to relive those things. And God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. You can't just stay there, right? And so if we're not careful, we, we will grow accustomed to a life full of baggage, right? Things that weigh us down. It's no wonder that for some of us, when we think about life and we think about everyday life, really, it's like, oh, here's another day, right? It's overwhelming. It's, it's tiring. It's wearisome. And the reason why is because lugging luggage is exhausting. It's what I like to call the Jesus and my syndrome. Now, I know none of you have been there. But let me tell you what I mean about Jesus and my syndrome, right? It's, it's the stuff that we carry that we just bring along for the journey of life. So, for example, right, there's the, I don't know, let's see what we got in this bag. Uh, this bag is pretty heavy here. Oh, yeah. There's the battles that we fight, right, because we're fighters. And so we pack our fighting gear wherever we go, and we're just ready to fight and engage. It's like it doesn't matter who it is. It's like, come on, bring it. I'll show you who I'm, what I'm made of, right? Some of you, you let the Bronx out of you, and you forget that you've been saved, right, that, that you are a new creation in Christ. And so you put on your gloves, and you're just ready to go. It's like, come on, put your hands up. Some of you pull out the Vaseline, and you, you know, Throw it on your face and you're just like ready to, and it's, it's, not, it's not like that. No, right? So we pack, we pack the gloves, right? Let's just get rid of those. We don't need those, right? What else do we have here? Right? We, 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 we oh, I know. I know. We pack. Here's some good stuff. Yeah. Here we go. We pack, uh, let's see. Oh, of course. Friends, right? Who doesn't need them, right? We carry friends wherever we go. We think about them so much. We plan our lives around them. We make our schedules around them, right? We, we need them. But let me ask you a question. When it comes to true need in your life, do you turn to friends or do you turn to God? That'll tell you a lot, right? Maybe you don't turn to anyone, including God. Either way, it doesn't work. Or how about this one, right? Right? 
there's all the things that we've been through, right, and some of the scars that we hold on to, right? And I'm not saying that that's everyone, but for some of us, we just have to have our trusty first aid kit, right? Because after all, I know Jesus heals, but I got to manage my own hurts, right? I got I to gotta deal with my own stuff, right? It's like, yeah, 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 I know that God loves me, but I'm still a work in progress. And what we're really saying is I'm still working on me. And what we're doing is rejecting the hand of God, right? What else is there? Oh, can't forget this one, right? It's your trusty social media handles, right? It's like you have to check everybody else's highlight reels just to make sure that you're keeping up with them, right? And what we end up doing on social media is this. We compare ourselves amongst ourselves. You know what the scripture says? That's foolishness. We're carrying the wrong stuff. Or, ladies, I'm sure you can appreciate this one. Your trusty makeup bag, right? Because after all, after all, yes, we know, Pastor Nett, it's yours. Yes, we know. Everybody figured it out. Pastor Jose does not have a makeup bag. Yes. Our makeup bag. Why? Because after all, everyone needs a little cover-up, right? Everybody needs to cover some things up, right? We all need a little, you know, a little mascara, right? Just doll things up, right? It's like Photoshop with real stuff, right? Oh, and then, of course, there's our trusty shoes, right? Because, after all, we have shoes for everything that we do in life. Every path that we go on, right, we just... We have shoes to go for it, right? And so we take it wherever we go. We have all these journeys that we endeavor upon in life all at once. But what we fail to realize is this, that it's compromise. We're dividing ourselves. You know what Jesus said? He said, a house divided cannot stand. Let me take that a step further. A heart divided cannot stand, right? There's some people today that unfortunately live in this perpetual state of cardiac arrest. Because our heart is just divided and we're just spread in so many different directions. It doesn't work. And then, of course, there's probably one of the biggest ones in the church world today, right, among people of faith. Right? We got the big bag for that one. And, and, and it's, it's our... what I like to call, right, our religious appearance, right? We just gotta, we just gotta dress it up, right? Right, we literally take the scriptures where it says, put on, right, love and tenderness and mercy, but the thing is that we put it on and we take it off, right? And so, the thing about it is that we're convinced that somehow all this weight, all this junk, all this stuff works. That somehow it works on the journey of life. Let me take that a step further. That somehow it works on the journey of a personal relationship with Jesus. And the truth is this, it doesn't. Let me just say this to you. You don't need them. Let me tell you why. You and I were never meant to live life this way. 
It really is about you and Jesus. What else do you need when you have God? What else do you really need when you have the God of all creation? What else do you really need when you have God who's your healer? What else do you really need when you have God who's your provider? What else do you really need when you have a God who's your covering? What else, is, what else do you really need when God says, I'm all that you need. I'm your exceedingly great reward. I'm the promise of new life, of new things. I'm the one who's working in you. I'm not asking you to work for me. What else do you need but God? In John 10.10, Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life, watch this, and have it to the full. The thing about it is this. You know, if you think about the enemy and you examine the way he does things according to Scripture, he definitely takes. He takes, but you know, he's a gentleman about it. Hear what I'm saying. He only takes what you're willing to give up. He can't take anything from you forcefully as a child of God. Because you see, the scriptures say that he's giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness. The scripture says that you now have a new life, that all things are new. The scripture says that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? So you possess all these things, so the enemy can't take what's not his, but he can take what's yours if you let him, right? And so, and the thing about it is that when he takes from you, he always gives you something that gives the illusion of something better. You can go right back to the beginning of time and look at that. You can see it all throughout the scriptures. He tried to do it with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if you'll just bow to me, I'll give you all this beauty, all these things in the world, all these riches, all these kingdoms. It's all yours. See, Jesus, on the other hand, he gives us an abundant life is what he says. But the thing about it is if we're to truly partake of this abundance, of this goodness, of this blessing, of this personal relationship with him, we have to let go of some things. We have to let go of all things that come in the way between you and Jesus. Let me ask you a question tonight. And look, I recognize that not everyone's in the same boat, so that's fine. But let me ask you something. Is there anything in your life that gets in the way of it just being you and Jesus? Is there anything? Is there anything that pulls at your attention, at your devotion? See, as long as your hands are full with the stuff of life, you'll never receive what God has given you because you don't have the ability to receive it. I'll prove it to you. Matthew, come here. Grab all those bags. He's strong. Don't worry about it. He'll survive. Just, let's just load him up, right? Let's just load him up. Man, this was going to have a little more weight for you, all right? Let me ask you a question, Matt. In order for you to receive what I want to give you, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Smart man. Listen to me. This is how it works in the kingdom of God. It's here I am trying to give you an abundance of life, and you're holding on to what you think is abundance for life. 
and it doesn't work. Hey, you need to receive that, brother. Thank you. Give it up for Matt. Thank you, Matt. I know it's a little messy up here, but that's all right. We're getting rid of some stuff today. And so today, I, I think that we're all, we all realize that we're faced with an invitation. Really, this is an extension of the series that we've been on over the last two weeks. And don't miss this Sunday at Church at the Bridge. Make sure you bring a friend. Man, we're going to continue on this series of rest. But I really believe that God is speaking something to us personally right here. And so I want to take you back to the invitation that we've been looking at in the scriptures over the last couple of weeks. And it's in Matthew chapter 11. And I just want to look at verse 28. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And he says, and I will give you rest. Now, I've probably said this here at some point, but the thing about it is that if you really examine the words of Jesus, he doesn't say, come to me and give me your weight. He doesn't say, come to me and exchange it with me, and I'll take your weight, and you take what I got to give you. No, if anything, he says, come to me. And I'll give you rest. In other words, you have to come to him, but then you have to make room to receive this rest, to receive this abundance, to receive his goodness, to receive the purposes that he has for your life. And so now's a good time to take a look once again at what you're carrying and ask yourself, do you really need it? Do you really need it? I remember many years ago I heard a story of a, of a road, and I, from what I understand, it's an, actually a road uh, down in Mississippi somewhere. But it's a, it's a dirt path road that uh, many people know of, but nobody talks about, that they take in order to cut. They, they li- people literally jump off the highway and take this dirt road. And the way, from what I hear, from what I've been told, when you take this road, it cuts about 30 miles if you're going in a particular direction. And so... Quite a few people are known to take this road. But the thing about it is that during the rainy season in Mississippi, when it gets real rainy, that road gets really muddy. And because it gets muddy, as people traverse through it, as they travel through it, they, they, they dig in these, they, these deep ruts. And so when it dries up, when the sun comes out, what happens is that it leaves these deep clay centers And so as people now try to take this road, the only way to navigate through it is to go, to literally drive in the ruts for the next 30 miles. Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you, because for some of us, it's very possible that we've been in the same rut for the last 30 years. For the last 30 days, for the last 30 hours, whatever. My point with that is this. God does not want you and I to get stuck, but it's really up to us. We can make the choice to fall into the ruts of life, or we can choose life with Jesus, and we can really travel light. You can travel light. You don't need all those shoes, Pastor Annette. It's okay. You have the gospel shoes of peace. She's somewhere out there. I was just messing with my wife. 
So let me just give you, let me just clue you into a couple of things that this life contains. And then let me just wrap this up. John 3.16 is a very familiar passage of scripture, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but watch this, have eternal life. Now here's the thing about that word eternal life there. That word life there is the Greek word zoe, and what it means is it speaks of an animate life full of, of vitality. It's absolute fullness of life. It's active. It's vigorous life. It's real and genuine life. It's a life that exemplifies a power at work in it. It's kind of like this glove, if you look at it. This glove in and of itself is lifeless. It requires something in order for it to be animate, for it to take on a life, for it to accomplish something. What does it require? It requires a hand. And this is what Zoe is. This is what eternal life is. The scripture says, but you were once dead and you he now made alive. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. The life that we have in Christ is not just about our forgiveness. It's about giving us a brand new life. A great life. It's a good life. It's a blessed life. But oftentimes, what we do is we say, no, 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 no. I'm good on my own. I look just the same as if you're with me. But just leave me there. And the thing is that you accomplish nothing of value in life that way. It doesn't work. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 is another portion of Scripture that we were looking at recently. It says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. That word uh, to prosper there uh, really speaks of a successful and expeditious journey. But watch this. It's a journey that is direct and easy. It's a straight shot. There's no stop signs. There's no red lights. There's nothing keeping you from getting there. And so when the scripture says that he wants us to enjoy health and prosperity that all may go well with us, it's literally talking about a life joined with Christ that is defined by ease. It doesn't mean that challenges don't come, but it does mean that you will always get through. You will always get through. And when it talks about health, it talks about being sound. It talks about being well. It talks about being in good physical health. It refers to being strong. It's free from the mixture of error. It's uncorrupted. And so God wants you to have this. You have it in Christ. But sometimes we lose sight of that because of all the stuff that we try and carry. In John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You should be asking yourselves right about now, what peace is that? What is that peace about? Is it about just, ah, oh, I'm just at peace? Is it a day off? No, that word peace there speaks of tranquility, but it also speaks of exemption of ra from rage or havoc of war. It speaks of harmony with others. It refers to security and safety. In other words, there's a whole life contained in this peace that Jesus gives us. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. But then he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
In Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And so I want you to think about this. You are blessed. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says you are loved by God. The scripture says that you are chosen by God. The scripture says that you're in, not out. It says that you're adopted. It says that you are now a part of the beloved. All that is his is yours, and you are his. Why does something get in the way of that? Why is it that we allow something to get in the way of that? And so for the next couple of moments I have here, I just want to point your attention to a portion of Scripture in regards to a man named Peter. This is probably a familiar passage of Scripture for some of you. But Peter was a disciple of Jesus, right? This guy had laid hands on the sick himself and seen them recover. This guy had cast out demons. This guy was passionate about his faith. This guy was a big mouth when it came to the things of Jesus. This was the guy who said, Jesus, everybody else will leave you, but I won't. This is the guy that when Jesus was being arrested, pulled out a sword and cut the ear off of a guy. You think he's devoted? Sounds like he's pretty devoted, right? But upon taking a deeper look, what we find is that when questioned about walking with Jesus... When things got hard, Peter denied him. He denied him three times. Now, Peter had walked with Jesus, he'd talked with Jesus, he'd lived with Jesus, but the moment trouble came knocking, Peter forgot all that he had with Jesus. Listen, he denied him. He said, no, I've never been with the guy. I don't know him. I'm telling you I don't know him. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that The third time that they asked him that he cursed Jesus, right? He was emphatic about, man, I've never been with the guy. It's not me and him. I've been doing my own thing. Man, I'm not Galilean. No, I've never seen the guy. And so the thing about it is that what now loomed upon him like a tidal wave was the fear of persecution, the ridicule of facing the results of what he believed to be a fail-proof life, And the uncertainty of his future after giving it all up to follow Jesus at one point. In other words, this guy Peter now said, man, it's not worth it. He made a choice. And so the scripture says that Peter goes back to where he first started with Jesus. Where Jesus first encountered him. Scripture says that he picks up his nets one day, he pulls out his boat, and he in essence, settles for what he once knew, the familiar. He goes back to lugging fish. He picks up his bag in life. He picks up what he's always known. He goes back to his place of comfort. He goes back to what he's always known and even identified him in society in that day. And so... In John 21, verses 2 through 4, it says that Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, and Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat, but that night 
Listen to this. They caught nothing. Now, what's interesting is that upon Peter's first encounter with Jesus, he also caught nothing. He, he had caught nothing. And so it's, he's back where he started. And it says that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And so look, after lugging their heavy nets and tirelessly, tirelessly rowing their boats all night, they'd come up empty. And like any fisherman who's had a bad day at sea, I'm sure that they resolved to, you know what, we'll try another time. We'll try again at some other point. But at the point of Peter's life when he's back to lugging fish, in essence, doing it his way, the only way he's known before Christ, that's where Jesus shows up with one intention, to lighten his load. To lighten his load. And so verses 9 through 12 says this, that when they landed, they saw a fire burning of, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And listen to what it says. It says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. And it was full of large fish. Listen, 153 of them, as a matter of fact. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something. That Jesus served them by making them breakfast and feeding them. Now, I'm sure that after having this encounter with Jesus, Peter must have felt rotten. He's looking Jesus eye to eye. And he knows what happened. He's carrying some stuff. Probably some shame, probably some guilt. He's probably anxious. He's probably at a low point in his life. But notice what Jesus did in this moment. Verses 15 through 18 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What these? Maybe it was his friends. Maybe it was his nets. Maybe it was, maybe it was his fish. Maybe it, was with, maybe it was his boats. We don't know. But there was something that Jesus said, do you love me more than these things? Than all these things. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then he went on to say to him, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went 
where you want it, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. I want to point your attention out to something that is very interesting. On three occasions, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And here's what he says to him in the Greek. Do you agapeo me? Do you love me with an intense and sacrificial and completely devoted love? And three times, Peter responded to him in the Greek, Lord, you know I filio you. That word filio there is a brotherly love. It's kind of like, my man, I'm fond of you. I like you, man. But let's make sure we keep some space between us. It's brotherly love, but it's not devoted love. It's not complete love. And what I find interesting in that in all three of those occasions where Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agapeo me? Do you love me? Do you intensely and wholeheartedly love me? Peter responds incorrectly. And Jesus responds to his incorrect response by restoring him. He says to him, feed my lambs. Tend to my lambs. Feed my sheep. And I'll tell you why that's so powerful. Because Jesus wasn't concerned with the weight as much as, it, as, much as he was concerned with helping Peter to see that that weight wasn't worth it, that it was just me and you, Peter. Peter, I love you. But Peter, because I love you, I'm calling you to a place of maturity. Notice that Jesus says to him, when you were younger, you went where you wanted to. But when you are old, he tells him, you're going to go and stretch your hands and go a place where you don't want to go. And what's interesting there is that Jesus isn't referring, he's specifically referring to how Peter would be martyred. But he's talking about maturity. Saying, Peter, when you were immature, when you did your own thing, when you carried life your own way, when you did your own stuff, you went wherever you wanted. And he says, but there's going to come a time. There's a time right now, Peter, a place of decision where you got to say, Jesus, it's just you and me. It's just you and me, Jesus. The scripture says that in verse 20 that Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's talking about John, that he was following them at a distance. It says that this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Watch this. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, and he said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Watch this. You must follow me. In other words, don't worry about anyone else. Stop looking to someone else's walk someone else's experiences. Stop holding on to what you see in other people that are following. He said, it's just you and me. You just follow me. 
just follow me. And tonight, as before we take communion, I want you to just consider the weight of these words. The words of Jesus to Peter, but the words of Jesus to you and me. It's where it all began for us. It's where this walk of faith consists. And it's also where it will end one day. Just Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.